Sona, this was a very nice day today. It was. Because uh, over here at our headquarters, we got this great gift, Tillamook ice cream. I'm a monster for ice cream. I know you are too. I want to take a bath in it and then I want to eat eat the ice in the eat the bath. Wait, what? I want to like bathe in it, yeah. but then I want to eat it as I'm bathing yeah, in yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, that's a simple concept. You made it much more complicated. I know, I'm sorry. Fill a bathtub with Tillamook ice cream. I will get in it and then I will eat my way out. Yes, that's all okay, you need to there do. There you go. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. They have so many great it's such good ice cream and they have so many great flavors. I mean, just off the top of my head, I I don't know. Birthday cake, caramel swirl, banana split, caramel toffee crunch, chocolate chip, chocolate, chocolate chip cookie dough. I think there's butter pecan, cookies and cream, French vanilla, chocolate peanut butter. Malted moose shake, I think, is one. I can't remember too well. Mounted huckleberry, Tillamook mudslide, Marionberry pie, monster cookie, old-fashioned vanilla, Rocky Road, Oregon dark cherry, waffle cone swirl, peppermint bark. I'm, I don't, I'm just going off memory here, but <laughs> holiday sugar cookie, orange and cream. Anyway, so many great flavors and uh, just incredible. You know, they they really put, and they come in family-sized cartons. Mm. Also, you're in good hands with the Tillamook brand. They make over 200 different dairy products, and the brand is farmer-owned and led by dairy experts. Find Tillamook ice cream near you at Tillamook.com. I'm going to spell it for you. That's how much I care about this product. T-I-L-L-A-M-O-O-K.com. This episode is brought to you by McDonald's. Not sure you've heard of them. <laughs> Up and coming uh, little restaurant, but they're making it. They're the little engine that could. You know, the moment of bliss when you spot your fries being scooped into the carton and suddenly time slows down. I have that all the time. I love their fries. Oh, yeah. yes. McDonald's fries hit different when they're free. That's another thing I'll tell you. And when they belong to your friends, there's no better feeling than thinking you're out of fries and then you discover extra fries at the bottom of your bag or else my son still hasn't finished his fries yeah. and I'm done with mine. And uh, he used to be weaker than me so I could just take them. Yeah. Now I can't because he's stronger than me. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's no wrong way to eat McDonald's fries, but we all think our way is the best way. And I like stealing them from someone else. That's my favorite <laughs> way. Get your favorite McDonald's fries today. McDonald's, check them out sometime. They're everywhere. Hello, my name is Keegan-Michael Key. And I feel overwhelmed about being Conan O'Brien's friend. Fall is here, hear the yell, back to school, ring the bell, brand new shoes, walking blues, climb the fence, books and pens. I can tell that we are gonna be friends. Yes, I can tell that we are gonna be friends. Hey there, and welcome to Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend, my podcast. Uh, I'm the aforementioned Conan O'Brien, and um, very much enjoying doing this show, uh, really having a good time. Joined by my team here, Sonam Obsession, my assistant now of a decade, is that right? 11 years. <clears throat> it, uh, it's been 11 years, wow, yeah, that's right. It's a long time. It's a long time, we've had some ups We've had some downs. Yes. But we always stick together. Pals to the end. And yeah, it could end at any time. <laughs> and uh, Matt Gorley, our producer. Yeah. 
Matt, uh, now here's where things are different. I chose Sona. Right. Sona was a choice that I made. Yeah. Uh, maybe a right choice, maybe a wrong choice, mm-hmm. but it was a choice that I made. I yeah. interviewed different candidates right and I choice. said, this one right here, uh, she'll, she seems responsible. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that's on me. You were, <laughs> Come on. You were thrust upon me yeah, by, by the podcast uh, people. There are all these podcast people that said, yes, Conan, you'll have a podcast. And I said, well, I don't know. I'll, I'll give it shot. It seems kind of interesting. I can try. Oh, yes. You have a podcast, Conan, and it'll all be handled by this gentleman. <laughs> and they literally opened a door and you came walking in. And, he's, <laughs> and I said, what's this? And they said, it's an Adam Gorley. Adam, Adam Gorley? Gorley? What the fuck? His name is Matt. Oh, shit. <laughs> you got it. Adam. You... We you both combined got Adam and Matt. You know what? I'm going to be honest. You guys are sort of interchangeable to me. Wow. <laughs> You're just the podcast guys. Yeah. So I, Adam Sachs was the one that brought you in. He was the one saying, yeah. here's the one. And then, so- yeah, I mean, I have to say, you're just the podcast people. Yeah. And I don't mean to demean you in any way. No, it doesn't sound that way. No, you're these- No, it, it sounds pretty complimentary. No, yeah. it's like, um, what are those things, those dementors in uh, Harry Potter that float above you that are all in black robes? You don't know which one is which, you just know they're dementors. Right. They suck the life out of you. Yeah. What? Yeah. Do what you know, are you talking about? Don't you know what dementors is? Anyone here? Yeah. Do you know what dementors are? Le- Blay, lean in. Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban, they guard the prison. They're the, they're the guards and they float like you explained. Yes, they're these black oh. floating shapes. Dark, they can suck the life out yeah. of you and make you so filled with just right. misery and sadness yeah, that, that you want to like die. An appropriate description. I was just yeah. grabbing the first description that came to my mind. Oh, okay. I couldn't, but, but anyway. Also, I was sort of tricked into this job. I didn't really, you know, get to choose it either. They revealed my little role in stages where first I was just consulting and then it was meet Conan and then it was come down and see if you can do this. And so it just, you know. Oh, and you weren't super excited to meet Conan O'Brien? <laughs> <laughs> right, Sona? Sona? Oh. Come on. You, you probably, you didn't go home and high-five your wife and go, I got to meet the man? I, first of all, man. never once high-fived my wife. All right. Well, there's no, no love in that marriage, clearly. <laughs> it's all when about you, the high-five. Gorley, you know yeah. I, uh, I love you and I admire you. What's and my I, first name? I'm not sure. <laughs> um, Ron, roll, roll, <laughs> rolled, as roll. Rolled. As in rolled all. Yeah. Uh, no, um, you're, you're terrific. I'm just was making the point that uh, you were brought to me and assigned to me. Yeah. And so we were kind of chained together. It's true, yeah. There's a, there's a famous movie from the 60s where Sidney Poitier is chained to Tony Curtis, the defiant ones. Mm, yeah. And they're, they're, they kind of hate each other, but yeah. they learn to get through the swamp together because they're escaping. So that's you and me. Yeah, that feels pretty right on. Yeah, yeah. and I am Sidney Poitier. Do uh, I have to be here? What's that? What? You're probably one of the... Hounds chasing us through the the swamps. Come on. You're, you know, you're chasing me around the office all day long. I am trying to do my job. And you're like, oh, you always have something to ask me. It is my actual job to ask you things. And Mm -hmm. it's, I just think that that's, I'm doing it. You're getting angry at me for doing my job. That's all. Okay. True story. Today I came in and at one point, uh, Sona got this delivery of really good looking sushi to her desk and she started happily eating it. And I said, oh, man, that looks good. I'm really hungry. And she's like, well, what do you want to do about lunch? And I was like, when you were ordering the sushi, (laughs) did you think for a second about saying, hey, Conan, I'm ordering some sushi from this really good sushi place. Do you want some? Did that even occur to you? It did not, because every time I ask you if you want something that I'm ordering, you're like, no, 
you you never you never want to eat where I'm eating from, so I stop asking you. That's all. Hmm. That's it. I think I hit a real nerve here. You didn't. I did. No, you didn't. I don't care. <laughs> I had the sushi and I enjoyed it. Yeah. Okay. Hey, can this I mention good. something really quickly? Yes. That you've been rattling the table this entire time and it only stops when you get to speak. <laughs> Have you yeah. noticed that? I think time when I'm not speaking <laughs> is wasted time. <laughs> and it fills me with anxiety and rage. <laughs> so when I'm talking, I feel like all is right with the world and people are getting what they tuned in for. <laughs> you know, uh, I'm just, I can't handle it. So I'll try to get that under control. Okay. I also stopped using cocaine two days ago. <laughs> so give me a break. I'm new to all this. Okay. <laughs> right. Let's get started. Is that enough or do we need more? That's plenty. I'm good. You could. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> My guest today is a very talented actor who co-created and co-starred in the hit Comedy Central series, Key and Peele. He also starred alongside Eddie Murphy and Dolomite is my name. Uh, you can now see him in the new Netflix movie, All the Bright Places, and as host of the National Geographic show, Brain Games. I am very excited he's here with us today. Keegan, Michael, Key, welcome, sir. Now, I'm looking at you, and I see fear. I <laughs> Did see, you see fear in my eyes? I see... I was, it's funny, because I was trying to give off glee. So that, Ooh, What no. does that say about me? No, oh you look gosh. like a Ted Bundy Ted giving <laughs> off glee. <laughs> I'm going to shoot some glee at <laughs> you, <laughs> and then they'll never <laughs> find <laughs> you. Um, no, thank you so much for being here. I do uh, like the Ted Bundy Harvard reference. That's good. Oh, yeah. You're a Harvard yeah. guy, so I, so <laughs> I expect so many of those in this interview. Uh, I mean, in this podcast. It's I not major, an interview. I know. I majored in serial killers. I oh, you did? Very, okay. Yeah, very prolific. Bundy, Gacy. Yeah. Um, that other guy. That one other guy. That one other guy. That's, that's all you all know? That's, I did not major in serial killers. Where's your hillside strangler? Like, okay, Zodiac. I yeah. mean, where's that guy? There you right? go. Oh, see? Boston. Yeah. Boston, Boston strangler. strangler. Yeah. It's funny, all I see in my head is Tony Curtis. I just see Tony Curtis. <laughs> That's right. And Tony Curtis it played really the, creeped the me Boston out. Strangler. Uh, fans uh, who are listening, uh, yeah, they, they cast Tony Curtis yeah. to play the Boston Strangler. I'm going to kill you. I'm the guy. <laughs> <laughs> You're dead. I've killed you. I've got my hands around your neck. <laughs> it's very strange casting. I, think, yeah. I, I sensed him wanting to branch out, Tony I think Curtis. So. I think that's what it was. Yeah, definitely. Definitely, yeah. And it's funny. I was working on a project earlier this year that um, that was based on a TV show that Tony Curtis was in in the 70s, in the early 70s. There was one season on ITV in, in, in the UK called The Persuaders. It was him and Roger Moore. Oh, wow. And it's funny. Apparently, a lot of, a lot of it was improvised, and he was a real kind of loose actor, Tony. Sure. Was and and Roger was very very you know wooden and I feel like it's important to learn the lines you know <laughs> sure he, oh, do, you, do you do you do <laughs> I hate you you know that's but, fantastic yeah. I I uh, I remember Tony Curtis was in. What's that show that took place? Oh, it was called Vegas. Vegas. And it was about, uh, Dan, it was a name? Dantana. Dantana. Dantana was the lead in uh, Robert U Ulrich. Yeah, Robert U Urich. 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 Robert, Robert Urich. It's, it's uh, yeah, uh, Robert Urich played this detective who lived in Las Vegas. And one of the things is that every now and then he would go to this guy named Roth like when the chips were really down, they needed help, oh, and, and it was played by Tony Curtis. By Tony Curtis. In and and you just didn't know who. Ron, you just were like, wait a minute, the chips are down, so he's going to a seventy-year-old Tony Curtis. For help. 
That's what it looked like. That's what it always looked like, yeah. And he was like, yeah, you know, I'll try and help you out. You know, he was just like- I'll do the best I can. <laughs> my, t- my Tony Curtis has just a dash of Jackie Mason in it. You yeah. Know? <laughs> like, you know. and, and a little, a little skosh, a little dab of Sylvester Stallone. A little bit of Sylvester Stallone. <laughs> <laughs> now that's a cocktail I'll drink. Um, you know, I love that you said Vegas. I said Dantana. You said Robert Urich. Sona doesn't know what's going on. No, no, no. Just, Robert, you know, just, I'm Robert a little Urich. lost. Sona's Spencer here. for hire. Yeah. Listen, listen. That's this, my second Harvard <laughs> reference of the This show, the podcast. this podcast <laughs> often goes off the rails with insane <laughs> really? digressions and it's, and it's old references. Oh, and, fantastic. And, and so the next thing you know, I mean, I've been on this, we've been doing this show uh, just about a year and a half now, but, it, you know, I keep forgetting like podcasts, it's a younger medium. Yeah. And then sometimes I'll realize, <laughs> they'll, they'll tell me afterwards, you just did a 10 minute run on Rudy Valley. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> When the wind blows free, you belong. And you know what's weird is I grew up, I don't know how you grew up, but I grew up out of my own time. Meaning I grew up, I came of age in the 70s. And so what I'm supposed to, what's supposed to happen yeah. is I'm supposed to be listening to 70s bands like Kiss, you know? And, of course. And um, I'm supposed to be, I'm supposed to be in my time. I was not. I always listened to music that was like 20 years or 25 years from before I did, me. I did the same thing. And I watched movies from when I, that were made in the 30s that they showed on local television. Right. And so I used to sort of talk like a guy in the 30s when I was a kid. <laughs> and so Jimmy Cagney and some of his movies would come into a room and he was always very fast talking. Yeah. So uh, he'd come into a room and I'd go, hey, Padre, what do you hear? What do you say? And I thought, that's the coolest thing in the world. So in 1977, like the set, you know, like punk rock is right. I'm walking into rooms going like, hey, Padre, what do you hear? What do you say? What's the rumpus? Yeah, Yeah, what's the rumpus? What's the news? What's the weather? Hey, Wrigley, 555. (laughs) Wrigley, 555. Eldorado, 4268. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And and so I, I grew up. And and couldn't relate, and, and so tell me how I, I was. I sense of, a kindred spirit. Yes, I was twenty years out of my time. I was twenty years out of my time. I grew up in the eighties, mm-hmm. so I so I was in middle school, like in eighty one, eighty two, eighty three. So I. I am a 60s guy. 60s music and early 70s music is my favorite music. And then I stopped. I bought some new music. Like I like I liked the Smiths, you know, in the 80s because my best friend liked the Smiths, right? So and I you thought the, you were being radical. I, I thought I was being super radical liking right. the Smiths. And I like I didn't know, like I didn't know Kokomo by the Beach Boys, <laughs> but we were singing it. You're and, not cool. Yeah, I was. <laughs> hey, you're real you square. See, you, you see don't know how Kokomo. uncool I am? That I didn't know the squarest pop song that was on the hits, on the, on the hit parade. I'm a hit parade, see? And I, so I was a 60s guy. I, I wore like, I wore fringe and, and moccasins and denim jackets. Like, oh, wow. Uh, once upon a time in Hollywood. Yes. Mwah! Love it. Like that's, right. that's my jam. Vanilla, you know. Um, it's not the time you grew up in. Not, it's the time you think you grew up in. It's the time I think I grew up in. Right. And, and so Jimi Hendrix is my favorite recording artist. Hands down my favorite recording. Oh. I, mean, I was the easiest kid to shop for for a birthday party. You just come to my birthday party. It was just books and 45s. Remember 45s? 45s. Jimi Hendrix. Everything was Jimi Hendrix. And then, I, but then I branched out to the doors and stra- and I like psychedelic stuff. Strawberry alarm clock. And I always listened to, to our local, in Detroit, our local classic rock station. So that was always my time. And then when, when I auditioned, when I auditioned for Mad TV, mm-hmm. they had to do like, you had to do like three impressions. One of my impressions for my audition was David Carradine's Quachang Kane from the television show Kung Fu. Yeah. That was one of my, I was like, oh my so God. for my next impression, I'd like to do Quachang Kane from the TV show um, Kung Fu as portrayed by David Carradine. Excuse me. 
I mean you, no harm. That's that's, <laughs> that's, that's it. That was, and then my other. And that, wait, and did they even know what you were talking about? So, so, the, so the, the, the executive producer's like, I produced that show, you know. But but so that worked oh, to my advantage. But then my other one of my other impressions. Antonio, not Antonio Vargas. Antonio Vargas was a uh, huggy bear on Sex yes. and Hutch. Yeah. Uh, 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 um, oh God, who played? I can help you, Gregory Sierra. Gregory Sierra, who played Julio on Sanford and Son. Oh yeah, but Mr. Suffered. Oh. <laughs> Mr. Suffered. Oh, oh my God, God. Yeah. those are such specific. Are you kidding me? Like I'm like oh I mean they God. were. I was in. It's like I wasn't in a lane. I was on the yellow line. I was only allowed to drive on the yellow line. I That's, only I only did one impression. Oh my God. In all my years, I did one impression, and it was before people were. I mean, he's more of a known person now, but for years uh, before anyone was talking about George Takei. Yes. From Star Trek? Yes. I used to do a George Takei and it was very specific because oh. when I was on The Simpsons, I wrote an episode and in it, we tried to get uh, George Takei. And I, I think I remember talking to try and get him to do uh, the episode. Yeah, right, right, yeah. And he, he I, I think it involved a monorail and he didn't want to do it because he was on the board of public transportation in San Francisco. Amazing. And he felt that this made fun of public transportation. Amazing. You're like, really? You don't want to be on The Simpsons? But anyway, George Takei, I think I was talking to him and he was like, uh, I'll never forget what he said. He said, he was also very busy that he was in a production of Aladdin. Oh. And he said, uh, he said, I'm sorry, I can't do it, Conan. Uh, I'm in a production of Aladdin, and get this, I play the genie. <laughs> and that was, that's what he said. Yeah, yeah. But I just, and, and so I spent, I spent like four years, I spent four or five years of my life walking around going, do you want to hear my George Takei? And they go like, who's that? And I go, you know, Sulu from Star Trek. And they go, uh, okay. And I go, I'm in Aladdin. And get this, I play the genie. And people were like, I thought you were going to say like phasers on stun. Or, exactly. I was doing an impression of something from my life that no one could ever give a shit about. I, I do the same thing. I do the same thing. Now I'm going to do, I'm going to get weird and twisty here. I do the same thing. And I'm only recalling in this moment that I remember Dan Castellaneta yep. was on a talk show one time years ago. It might've been Letterman. And he was on a talk show. I remember they said, do you do impressions? And he said, I do an impression. Uh, it was like his fifth grade math teacher it was like uh, on TV. So he did. I'm sure it was. I'm sure it was spot on. I, but, uh, but here's mine. Cause you like, I love how you manufactured a catchphrase that yes. for yourself. That for no myself. one else went up. Right. My manufactured catchphrase is when we were when Jordan and I were doing Key and Peel, we did a sketch called The Laundromat, mm -hmm. which uh, and the premise was great. The premise was that you know how a barber shop is where everything happens in black culture. It's for the black men, it's it's going to the barber shop. And Jordan was playing this really sad, tragic old man who's like, Hey man, you know how everything's going on at the laundromat. It's at the laundromat. <laughs> and I was just nephew, like, you know, um, Uncle Cassius, he's like, what's going on, Nathan? And I said, hey, um, I just feel like uh, there's not a lot going on here today at the laundromat. He goes, come on, you know it's going to start popping off at the laundromat. And then I look across the street, and there's a barbershop across the street, and I'm trying to be a good nephew, but they're having a great old time at the barbershop. Yes. Like, like a grand old time. And great wisdom and wit yeah, is exactly. being dispensed. And, 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 that's my brother, you know. And then, ping, ding, 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 door opens right. In walks Billy D. Williams. <laughs> and now I'm like, oh no, it's Lando. I gotta go over there. Right. So Lando, so, I'm sorry, Lando. So yeah, Billy, Billy. So Billy D was also in Nighthawks and the Billy Holiday movie. Um, yeah. Ladies Sings the Boost. And he was, but he's Lando. he's Lando. He's Lando. Okay. So he really had a hard out. I mean, a hard out that day. And here, so my Billy D. Williams is always about. Um, 
he came, he drove up to the set and I came out of my trailer as he was trying to, and the, the base camp PA walked up to him and he's like, uh, good afternoon, Mr. Williams. It's a pleasure to meet you. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm Elliot. I was wondering, uh, did you bring any wardrobe with you? Billy D. Williams just looks at me and goes, you're looking at it. <laughs> <laughs> and then walks to his trailer and I was he's like, Billy D. because Williams. he's Billy D. Williams. This is what he's wearing. Right. But then he had a really hard out that day. We had to be stringent about his 1 PM out. And so he's on set and we're all standing around. He's just like, Peter, uh, I just need to know what time it is because I got to go. <laughs> He's like, oh we're almost God. there, Billy. It's about 1210. It's about 1210. So we got about 40 minutes and we'll have you wrapped out of here. All right. Sounds good. Is that the 110 right there? Is that the Santa Monica Freeway? <laughs> like pretty easy. Uh, how far are we from base camp? Like, it's gonna, I promise we're going to get you out of here. It's like a couple more things. It's just that I got to go. Yeah. <laughs> Is that clock right? I'm like, Billy, just focus up with us, man. <laughs> just stay with us, please. I don't know. I just, how you doing, Chebecca? <laughs> that was my favorite thing, is that Billy D. Williams is such a badass, he did not give a shit. You know somebody told Billy, someone said to Billy, it's pronounced Han, it's Han Solo. Right. Okay. All right, I got it. Action. What's going on, Han? <laughs> he's just, he doesn't give a shit. And he's he not going to change. He's not changing that. How you doing, Chewbacca? <laughs> Chewbacca. You, you know that he was telling Lucas, I got to go. Yes. <laughs> No, this is the second. The first one was the biggest movie ever made. We're now making the second, which arguably is going to be more critically acclaimed and even more successful and cement this as the greatest franchise in, 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 in I cinematic history. <laughs> I hear what you're saying. You can be him. If you, I'm listening, uh, George. Listen, yeah. uh, Billy D. so glad that you signed up to do Me this. Me too. Okay. Powers and Ladies sings the blues. Yes, yes, we all know Billy. Listen, uh, George Lucas here. It's so nice to see you. And uh, pleasure to meet you, George. Okay, as you know, the first Star Wars biggest biggest movie ever made. I am aware. Yeah, have you seen it? No, sir. <laughs> Uh, Billy, uh, I'm sure you'll get around to it. This is the second one. This is Empire Strikes Back, and you are the pivotal role in this. This is huge, uh, huge, and today's scene is very, very important. This is where you betray mm. Han Solo, and it's a huge moment. We want to get this right. Is that clock right? Because i got a clock. <laughs> <laughs> you say the Empire Strikes Back, he goes, who struck the Empire? <laughs> and why are these guys so upset that they're going to strike back? Well, it's, it's the Empire is really bad. You don't need to know that, Billy. I don't. Okay. okay. Where, where do I live? Uh, What's well, this place This called? is a place that's in the sky. It's mm. a cloud city. Cloud yeah. city? Yeah. All right. All right. Am I going to get to talk to that little Philly Carrie Fisher? <laughs> Oh well, no, 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 no. You have a more of a paternal role with oh, her. Oh, yeah, yeah. I see. Yeah. I see. Yeah. In the film, you mean. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Billy. Okay. This no. is okay now, but, I'm, you know, 30 years from now, this is going to be a problem, Billy. Sorry, I got off track. Yeah. <laughs> Could you imagine, I mean, like, even back then, Billy D. Williams could have gotten Carrie Fisher. Yeah. He, he was super. He's still oh, super suave. He's incredibly suave. Yeah. Um, I, did you see the last one? The, the last, I'm I guessing, just saw the last one, yeah. The, the, the uh, Rise of Skywalker, yeah. Yeah, and what they love to do in, the, in, these, in these ones is they love to have people 
come back. You get a charge when he comes back in. You, you, absolutely. Because, oh my God, and, and the whole theater collapsed. Yep, yep. But then he keeps peeking back in. <laughs> I was in the old one. <laughs> and now I'm, I'm still here. And I'm still here. You take it, I like, I guess at the Millennium Falcon, you take a good care of my girl. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> no, I remember, I know that it was his ship. I, yes, you know, like if you're my age, you don't have to tell me. Right. All that intertextuality is for the younger, the younger fans, you know. I, I'm old do you remember the ads that he used to do for Colt 45 beer. Colt 45, Schlitzmott like a beer. <laughs> Goes down smooth. <laughs> Schlitzmott like a beer. But, but, I, yeah. used to, but I, I think, God, I hope I get some money from them. But he would do, he would, it was a can of beer. Yeah. Just a, a Colt 45, but you, in that moment, you realized he could literally sell anything. Anything. I mean, that guy could have just said like, hunk of dung. Yeah, you know? right. <laughs> exactly. Like, if you want hunk of dung, comes in three sizes. Pebble. <laughs> if you have a lady coming over. You want to have a very discreet hunk of dung. <laughs> comes in three sizes. Pebble. Pile. And there's another P word that I haven't heard. <laughs> you know, you did, uh, oh, man, shit. you guys uh, did so many sketches. I loved uh, how smart your writing was. And obviously you're killer performers, but the writing, and you did a sketch and I, I, I've quoted this, I've misquoted this sketch many times because it's one of my favorite sketches the guy on stage, the comedian on stage who oh, insults God, people in the, the crowd. Oh, God, the insult comic, yeah. The insult comic, and he's insulting people in the crowd, and then there's a guy who's, and he's insulting everyone, but you're wisely avoiding a burn victim in the crowd. <laughs> who, by the way, has been burned so badly, he's in a wheelchair. He's in a wheelchair. <laughs> like, it got down to the nerves. Yeah. And so he's horribly disfigured, and <laughs> well, I just... I love that the guy is insisting. He goes like, doom. He, his mouth do goes, me. do me, <laughs> make fun of me. <laughs> fun of me. <laughs> Have you seen this one, Sam? I love and that the, sketch. And the glee on his face. Yeah. Like he's like, oh, he's like, I guess I, I skip, I skip yeah. over him, yes. right? Yeah, yeah. And yeah. you know what the thing is? You're being, you're insult comic, but you're being very careful to avoid. You see him and you don't want to go to him. Do me. <laughs> and then you, I love that you, you finally like, okay, I, I forget what, but you, you do something pretty, the first one, the you first do an one insult. I, the first one, I think, if I remember correctly, the order, I think the first one is, okay, all right, then take it easy, you know, don't don't don't, go, don't come haunt me in my dreams. Yeah, because <laughs> you look at Freddy Krueger. Right, it's like like a mild Freddy Krueger joke, and they turn on me immediately. And, and he goes <laughs> too far, yeah. too far. <laughs> and then he scratches the tears. They burn. <laughs> I thought I could take it, but I can't. <laughs> oh my oh god. My god. I You know, it's only a matter of time until your check engine light comes on, which could equal an expensive repair bill, and a new engine can cost up to $6,000. Don't I know it? But this is why you need this product I'm about to mention right now. Okay. CarShield. Mm. CarShield offers plans with low monthly rates that you can pay for your expensive repairs on your out-of-warranty car, truck, or SUV. It's so nice to have that protection of CarShield. I know. I believe. That's my belief. Some people have other beliefs, maybe religious beliefs. I think Car Shield. Car Shield plans provide protection on up to 5,000 major parts and systems, including items like transmission, mm. engine, even your entertainment system. Mm. Just call Car Shield and choose the mechanic to do the work. Car Shield administrators will handle the rest and save you money. Look, I saw your car today. You've got a beautiful car, but you've got to haul your family around in this yeah. car. 
This is a vital piece of machinery for you. You need Car Shield. I do. And you know, I you know I don't take care of my cars very well. So Car Shield it would definitely come in. You know, and also with their A rating from the BBB, don't ask me, Car Shield is the name you can trust to save you money on covered auto repairs. Now's the time to make the smart choice and protect yourself from the sky high auto repair bills. Visit carshield.com slash Conan. Save 20% today. Again, that's carshield.com slash Conan to save 20%. Visit carshield.com slash Conan to lock in your price today. If most people are being honest, no one really knows what you do for work, right? Yeah, it's true. Yeah, especially if you're in a, what I like to call B2B. Oh, you know? what, what is that? I'll explain. Okay. That's a business doing business with other businesses. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I call it B2B. It's a little thing. It's also, uh, it's a boy band I'm working on. <laughs> anyway, fortunately, LinkedIn has a network of professionals who get what you do, and you can reach the right people who matter most to your company because they're LinkedIn. Yeah. That's what they do. Yeah. LinkedIn has over, this is the fun part to say, 1 billion members. Are you serious? Yeah. That's not. That's more people than are on Earth because there are people on the moon using it and Saturn. <laughs> <laughs> that's one over 1 billion members on its platform, including 70 million decision makers. God, I'd like to meet a decision maker. Since LinkedIn members are regularly updating their work history, you can precisely build a target audience by job title, industry, company, and more. Man, you can reach the right people for your, I'm going to say it again, B2B business with LinkedIn ads. Yeah. Gets even better because LinkedIn will give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Hmm. There you go. Just go to linkedin.com slash Team Coco to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash Team Coco. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all sometimes have issues or things we need to talk about, get off our chest. I have that all the time, don't you, Sona? I do. Yeah, and we need people to talk to. And we carry around different stressors. We carry big stressors, we carry small stressors. Uh, I was raised in a culture where you're supposed to kind of bottle it up, and I've learned over time that that's not the best thing to do. If you do let things rattle around in there for a while without talking it out, it can affect your life very negatively. Well, therapy is a safe space where you can get things off your chest, figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. BetterHelp's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. A lot of people have a barrier towards getting therapy because they think, well, I don't know, I've got to find the person, talk to them. What if I? it's not a good match? I, then it's awkward. None of that. You just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and then you switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. So get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash Conan today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp. H-E-L-P dot com slash Conan. I remember there were sketches. There was one that Jordan and I did that I thought I was, I hoped it would work because I was giggling at the silliness in the moment because there'd be moments where you're trying to kind of make each other giggle. And then you have to hope and pray that that not just the um, the joyousness of it 
is coming across, but that the joke is actually coming across. Right. So we did this small blackout sketch, like it was it was at the top of a show, and and it was uh, t- two couples, and the and the girls it was the girls versus the boys, and they were playing. Um, uh, celebrity. And we're talking trash to each other. We're talking trash. And there's me, it's Jordan's turn. And they set the timer for a minute. And then, and then I'm just like, okay, I'm, uh, he was, uh, it was a uh, taxi driver, taxi driver. Because uh, I'm like, okay, um, so, uh, 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 um, I'll be back. Oh, that's, I'll just watch a second. I'll just watch a second. Uh, okay. Uh, he's, uh, he's, uh, um, uh, singer. He's, uh, he's uh, gay, but n- nobody knew it. But now he's got uh, me. <laughs> and then we cut, you know, the, the, the camera cuts to the wives, cuts to me, cuts to single back of him. And, the, and I go, uh, <clears throat> no, no, uh, no uh, gay singer, not. Is it me? No, and, 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 and the is it me is one of those who are like, can we take it that far already? Like, when do we accept how stupid he, he yeah. well, he's going to be in the moment? But he's going to try and cover you, up, but then he's going to go back. But to, he's going to go back to it. And if he goes back to it, are we going to laugh? That's he's, and, and and what Jordan did instinctively is there's this little thing you do with his mouth, which is what made the sketch so funny. He, he's like, is it, is it me? Is it me? And I'm like, a little no, quivering lip. No, it's not you. It's yeah. not you, uh, Darnell. Uh, Latin. He, uh, he's a Latin pop star. I'm not a Latin pop star. No. No, you're not. You're not. You're not a Latin pop star. And then I go. And then I go. I, he go. I go. Uh, uh, I don't. It's Enrique. Enrique. Enrique Iglesias. And he goes. Oh man, I'll put that one in there too. <laughs> Ding. And then the minute goes up. So the callback, all the mechanics work. It's just that you're always making sure you want to make sure that third. That the trigger point works, right. like you said. Yeah, it's really it's tough, but it's so satisfying when it works. If it's good, pure silliness, it will last. Yeah. I really believe that. Like, I really believe the, I, the, I agree. the best sketches you guys have come up with, people are going to be sharing it, you know, uh, you know, a hundred years from now. The biggest blessing we got is because we were insistent on how long it was going to take to make the show. We had to do evergreen right. stuff. Right. It's not about the day's news. It's not about the day's news. It had to be evergreen. And so that, that ended up being our greatest blessing. One, one of the things that's so <laughs> after, you know, whatever the 26, 27 years, whatever we've been doing this thing, <laughs> so many times it'd be a huge story in the news in politics and all the shows would be like, what's their take on yeah. it? And that would be the night that we had a gold miner stand up in the audience <laughs> and say, I'm looking for the ghost of my turtle. Right. And then, you know, and we, we'd just be cackling and at rehearsal, I'd always say, and that's our take on the Lewinsky scandal. <laughs> on the Lewinsky right. scandal. You know, like, <laughs> but, you know, at the time people would say like, oh, you missed, you blew it. And now I think, I don't know, it gets passed around now and you don't have to explain. Exactly. Like, I don't. This is what the Exxon Valdez spill was. <laughs> Like we don't, we think because we're in, we're roiling, roiling in the middle of all of this right now. But in 2046, in tw- I, 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 I'm hoping and praying that this is this becomes of the world. Okay, that in 2046, that that an impeachment joke is going to be super dated. It's not that the world's not going to change as much as we are all afraid it's going to change. You, you know, and, and you're right. It's like this is we just write sketches about the human condition. Right. I mean that because. If I may, that sketch is about, it's about mourning and loss. <laughs> I mean, I know it's a prospector, but you're, some part of you- I is, never thought of it that way. <laughs> I always thought of it that we had a prospector costume <laughs> and we had a, a turtle puppet. And if you want to, if you really want to know, 
He goes, what, why we would do the sketch? It's because we had both of those things. Yeah, both of those things. It really was this random thing of we've got a World War One German helmet with a spike, <laughs> and we've got a uh, a watermelon that can, explode, <laughs> that can explode and foam can come out of it. Yeah. Got so, it. Got it. Uh, write it up. <laughs> uh, you have had this weird experience of doing uh, sketch comedy with a president of the United States, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, Barack Obama. Amazing. And there are moments like that where I'm fascinated because I'm a comedy fan. And when you would play Obama's angry alter ego. Yeah, anger the anger translator, yeah. The anger translator. When you, and it was a very funny idea. It was really, and, and then you, you guys did it yourselves. And then Obama was like, hey, I want to do that. Yeah, yeah. And okay, that's insane. But I'm also a history buff. So the idea that I have someone I can talk to who's like, wait, you've done, you did a really funny sketch with a U.S. president, something which isn't happening, by the way, these days. Because uh, no, the, the no, White yeah. House Correspondents' Dinner has been shut down. Uh, yeah, there's yeah. no more of that. It's a, <laughs> yeah, no, there is no, yeah it's, it's a completely different experience now. And yeah. uh, I don't know if previous presidents have ever, I mean, we know about uh, senators doing their turns on SNL. Yeah. And, 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 and former presidents and Clinton on right. Arsenio. Yep, but but it but was, he, he played the sax. He played the saxophone. Well, it was you know, like my question specifically is: you did a sketch with President Obama sitting while well, he's a sitting president. Yeah. So, do you give him notes? <laughs> do you say you know what the timing isn't right on that? Do you have the balls to do that? <laughs> I, I'm I'm just curious how much I. I tried to show as much requisite resident um, reverence as I should, but he. It, the, the, here's what happened. Here's what happened. I went into the West Wing and I went to a room that's known as the map room, which was apparently FDR's favorite room. And, and it's, now it's it, called it, it, the improv and it, sketch it, it, workout room. <laughs> That's how much. That's how much America has changed. <laughs> what are these long pieces of paper? Um, <laughs> we need a microphone. We're squiggly lines on it. Uh, <laughs> Hello, yeah, boy. I'll tell you what. Um, um, I would love to. I, we need, I, yeah, we need a brick. We need a brick wall. <laughs> so I, I was standing at a podium. And I had my script and I was I had been working on my script. And also I thought to myself, I'm also going to learn his lines. I'm going to learn my lines and his lines because, you know, he's got some stuff on his mind. Right. And and he came in. He came into the room. And he's like, there he is. Okay. What's going on? <laughs> and runs right. Very tactile, tactile guy. Runs over, gives me a hug. I freak out because I'm like, is there a red dot on my forehead? He's hugging me. Guess he what? is hugging me. Met him several times. Yes. Never got the hug. Never got the hug. Oh, just I'm telling so you. Sorry. Never got the hug. Oh, no. Correct. I'm just putting it out there. Uh, President Obama, I never got the hug. But anyway, and again, and, and, you know, we've, we've spent some time. Never got the hug. But anyway, continue, continue. I'm going to give him a call and see if he can be here next week. <laughs> 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 I'm just making my I've phone. gotten the hug from Michelle. Yeah. Uh, no. No, uh, no hug from Barack. President, uh, very, uh, yeah. It, it, oh, you know what's so funny? I was, I did it. I, I'm only interrupting. And then if this is bullshit, you can cut it out. But I remember this this experience where I was at a fundraiser and I was the comedian at the fundraiser yeah, and, yeah. and Spielberg was throwing a giant event and Obama was the guest of honor mm -hmm, and it's mm -hmm. while he's president. So he comes in and Bruce Springsteen's oh, the yeah. musical guest. And I'm, so I get up and do my thing and Bruce Springsteen does this. And then we all go back to the table and go around and the president shows up late. Uh, he's, he does the same thing where he cordially greets all of us. Mm -hmm, he mm -hmm. cordially greets all of us. And there's like, 
I'd say 11 of us. Yeah. And he goes around and shakes all of our hands. And then the very last one is Samuel L. Jackson. And he's wearing a Kangol cap, a white Kangol cap with a white suit. And Obama does this, their, their, their handshake goes yep. on for five yep. minutes. It's like There's a central. Hu- and the difference between what Liam Neeson and I got, <laughs> Samuel L. Jackson got, and you've never seen, like the two whitest guys in the world were like, See, he, was, he was like, what the fuck did we do? What the hell? I'm like, well, I, I think it's pretty understand. clear what's happening here. What's happening here? I don't understand. <laughs> it's like the, so it's like you, the key and peace field sketch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. The where he's doing the- like, oh, Brother, we in there now? Yeah, no, no, no. But guess what? It really is. It's real life. I saw it happen in real life. It was like, and it was like, you know, bang. And it's like, okay, I don't have an ego about that. And he's being perfectly nice. Of course, of course. He's the president. Like, good to see you, Conan. Good to see you, Liam. Good to see you. And then Samuel L. Jackson, and it was pyrotechnics. Right? Pyrotechnics. <laughs> and I've never more wanted to be someone else. Right, 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 right. And then I was looking at Samuel Jackson. I'm like, how do I get that? He was like, you are not. You are not you that. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so you're in a room. So, so the he, president of the United States yeah. walks in. Yeah. He, so he's got his binder and he's, and, and he's reading and, and he's going, and he's going through, the, he goes through the whole thing. He does all the jokes in the, the preamble. And because in, instead of right. usually he did it instead of a comedian doing it. Right? right. And then I came in at the, at the tail end of the piece. So, he, so we got to the tail end of the piece and he, you know, he's making, it was cool watching just make changes too. He's just still so very kind. He's like, oh, I'm going to cut this here. I'm going to cut this. All right, guys, uh, I'm going to move this down here. And, uh, you know, and I was like, yeah, get it. Yeah, get it. Veto it. You know, I'm going to veto, wait, gonna veto wait, that joke. But, was, but based, on, based on his idea that it would, he was making comedy choices or just? I think what he was doing, Conan, was making choices like, like that he, I'll use this comment as a joke in a speech I'm giving tomorrow. Ah. I'm going to use this comment in uh, some remarks I'm going to make when I'm in Nebraska at the Corn right. Union. This you joke, I mean? this yeah. joke will go corn well in Prague. In Prague, right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. When I go to Bratislava, this is going to murder. And so, you know, and so he was like moving jokes around. And so, so he goes, uh, "All right, Key, now we're going to do the script here." And I was like, "You got it, sir. Absolutely." He's like, "No, I don't need you know." Dave, let, Dave writes some funny stuff. David Litt is the guy who wrote yeah, the, yeah, who wrote the yeah. copy. And he goes, so uh, I don't want to see you breaking up here, okay? And I said, you got it, sir. I'm on it. And I get into, get into my, my Luther stance. And right. the very first line, he goes, so uh, to continue, I'd like to uh, introduce my anger translator, uh, Luther. And my first line, my first line is, hang on to your lily white butts. <laughs> so he says this line, right? So he goes, he goes, uh, my anger translator, Luther. I said, hang on to your lily white butts. <laughs> the president goes, oh, 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 you got me going now. Okay. <laughs> and I think I might have even said, I don't know, sir, you got to keep a straight face. And he was like, uh, you got me. You got me. <laughs> so he laughed. And so like, that was the closest I got to giving him a note. And there was one thing where I might have said, I'll stand. Is it okay if I stand on this side? You, would you prefer if I stand on this side? I, I, I think I can get more, uh, like I was going to launch my legs in the air and jump and stuff like that. And that's the closest thing we came to a note. I, I didn't tell him what I was going to do. I asked him what he wanted. He was cool. You're cool on that side. And then, and then, and then, and then the other thing people used to say after I finished doing it was that there is a moment where I touch him. And it's like, it just feels like it's not allowed. You know what I mean? And I touched him and, and, but, but he was so amazing as a straight man. I can't even 
describe how amazing he was. He knew he had the timing perfectly. Yeah. I didn't need, and only I'm saying that now because I was so aware of it because I knew his lines. Yeah. And a lot of, you know, he's so good at this thing and he's so good at doing the speech here and uh, kind of just scooping words and coming back. Like, like almost whole paragraphs sometimes when yeah. he's talking to the crowd, he's really orating. And I'm like, I'm like, he's got notes. He's not even looking at the prompter shield jammers. You know, what's yeah. really funny is that, uh, it's amazing. First time I did the, the correspondence center, it was uh, Clinton. I went first and things went really well. And I was very happy. Uh, and I thought, man, I'm, I'm it's just yeah. good to go first. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. president. Oh yeah. Yeah. Second time I sign up is, uh, Obama. And what happens is you're sitting there and the president goes first, and he is loaded up with the greatest jokes in the world. Yeah. Now, I really liked my oh, jokes. I have really good jokes, but but he's just loaded up. And he also, the thing has progressed, especially under Obama, they started adding um, stuff that like late night comedians have, which is pictures to pop. Like they, they oh, have in yeah. Weekend Update. Yeah, 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 and yeah, they, yeah. Had, they had like, you know, magic tricks and all this <laughs> craziness. And so he goes up and he's really... Killed. Fucking amazing. And he just destroys. Yeah. And I'm sitting there. <laughs> and I'm and also they don't the White House doesn't tell you what you, you'll you'll say like what areas are you cov- covering? And the, oh, all you hear right, back from the White House. Right, right, and all right. you hear from the White House is, oh, we're just gonna cover some stuff. Don't you worry about it. And you're like, oh man, you're going first. I don't even know. I don't have no idea. Right, right, yeah. So I put all my stuff on blue cards so I could flip it around and take stuff out. So I'm just <laughs> taking blue cards oh, out while no! he's while he's doing his thing and destroying. Every now and then, like every third joke, I'd be like, and eh, this comes out. <laughs> but, but at least I have another one and I can slide, slide it in. Right, but right. I'm doing that. Uh, during while, the speech. During the speech. And he's absolutely destroying because he's so good at it. And yeah. then he literally does like a mic drop. You know, he's just like, I'm out. You know, Obama out. And he walks away and the crowd, I mean, they're Insane. delirious. He's the, yeah. yeah. He's the leader of the free world. And he was just really funny <laughs> and just destroyed. Had the hottest set you've ever seen anyone have. And then this voice of God just goes, cut on a Brian. <laughs> And then you cut, you walk up and you can hear your own shoes. And you know that the White like, House is like, like, you know what? Sheesh, this is a long day. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. But it went well. Yes, it, it went, went well. It went, it went well. well. Yeah. Well, you have to rein in for that one. Yeah, it went great. But yeah, yeah Obama but, crushed it. But, but you did really well too. I mean, I didn't mean Why to, did you have to go back to Obama know. crushed it? We established that Obama crushed it. Everybody's under the I'm impression. Sorry. And that was the part where you lean in and say, Conan. You did good too. Oh, wow. Solid. Solid praise. Solid praise. But I got off and I was like, I don't need to ever do that. Ever do that again. <laughs> it, you, That's. Yeah, because he's already a gifted orator, but he's a gifted orator in every, uh, across the orating spectrum. And he's the coolest and guy in the room. he's the coolest room. guy that ever lived. Yeah, yeah. Always the coolest guy in the room. And he has the perfect blend. A friend of mine uh, told, my wife told me this uh, through a friend of mine he, who wrote a book about the thing that, one of the things that gets you elected is strength and warmth. And he has the perfect amount of both strength and warmth. He does. Mm-hmm. Like it's, some people have too much strength. Some people have too much warmth. But, uh, and, and, and it's not enough. He's the perfect blend. I can I tell you a joke that I thought was funny, a very great visual joke. Because uh, this jog, memory jogged in my mind. When you hosted the – I hosted the NFL Honors a few years ago. Yep. And I was watching your – your hosting yeah, job and, ago, and yeah. Seth's job. Right. And I'm a huge football fan. So that's, a, it was a crazy thing for me. And, um, and I remember the year that you did it, you had a great joke where you were showing images of things 
or animals or people that looked like a football player. And to this day, <laughs> there was an ice cream cone with a, a chocolate, there was a chocolate swirl, soft serve swirl, yeah. and then you showed a picture of Antonio Brown's hair. Oh. And it was, it was, it murdered Conan. Yeah. It was such a perfect joke. I know we're going to cut this because I just said Antonio Brown, but it's like, uh, or maybe it's okay. That was maybe back okay. when you could have a lot of fun with Antonio Brown. Right, right exactly. <laughs> Who knew? Who knew? Who knew? No. You know? Oh my god. OJ gosh. was in the Naked Gun movies. Uh, and he, it did Okay. He I think did. they've taken him out. Remember, I, I think they edited him out. All the Naked Gun movies are now 86 minutes long. It's, it's like, that's an easy evening. Yeah, yeah. They go like, where's Norberg? And they just, they just cut to a crap. <laughs> You, and then you just hear a bad voiceover going, you mean Norberg, the crab? Yes, Norberg, the crab. Well, he won't figure much into this plot. Onward. Onward. And then like whoever that guy is, was a Leslie Nielsen yeah. talk-alike. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, I wasn't getting any work. I wasn't getting any work. <laughs> Out of the blue. <laughs> Two sessions. All <laughs> when we did Naked Gun 33 to 3rd, that was a doozy of a day. But I had to do all of those, yeah. Um, that's so crazy. So that's, I mean, I, I love that Why you- was his name? Norberg. <laughs> well, can I ask another question? I don't question? think they Why gave it that much thought. Danny Glover's last name Murtaugh. Yeah. <laughs> That's about the most German Anglo Saxon name. Well, he's a, I think he's Bavarian in the film. He's, he's Bavarian. <laughs> <laughs> Black, I mean, it's from the, the Black early, Forest. From the no, Black no. Forest. He's wearing Lederhosen. I said it right here. Well, you know, they, they shot, exactly. They shot, uh, I think they shot six whole weeks where he's in Lederhosen. And then they, <laughs> they decided against And they were like, we got we to gotta fix this. They said, Richard Donner, what are we thinking with the Lederhosen? Like, nah, cut it. Cut it. Let's I'm, start again. I always found that interesting. But keep the name. Yeah. It must be Murtaugh. Murtaugh. It has to be Murtaugh. Yavon. Um, I just, it's so strange that his name was Roger Murtaugh. Anyway, anyway, he looked more like a Riggs to me. He looked more like a Riggs. You know what? Uh, now I can't watch those films. <laughs> nothing, nothing any of those other actors has done <laughs> takes me, you know, has, will put me off those films, that's but that takes that, me that's out. That's what yeah. takes you out. That's yeah. what yeah. takes you out. Yeah. yeah. Uh, oh my goodness. Jesus. Uh, I'll tell you how I grew up. When I grew up, I was never quite sure, hey, wait, what am I? Like, I mm. knew that my, I wasn't quite sure, are we middle class? Are we upper ah. middle class? Ah. Uh, uh, we live in this neighborhood that is a nice street, but then there's there's public housing over here. I go to public school, uh, it, it meaning in a good way. And, and my later talked to my dad about it. My dad said, I always liked that it wasn't quite clear what we were. Like, mm -hmm. we're Irish Catholic kids, but we don't play hockey. We're kind of nerds. My friends are, are, are uh, you know, across the spectrum. I just didn't have this quite, this solid sense of who I was, I think in a good way. And I think that helped me. I think that almost helped me. I don't know if you had a similar experience. I had a similar experience. And I, I'm not trying to make the, uh, what is the background? What's the cauldron, the social cauldron that has to have the right ingredients to make comedians? There's only one. But <laughs> so you better get it right. Yeah. But uh, I had, I also did not have a sense that we were lower middle class or middle class. I didn't understand that. And I lived an extremely diverse neighborhood uh, uh, in Detroit, which is which which is at the time I was born was surprising. It was a city where eighty percent of the people were, were African American, but I lived in a neighborhood where we had Asian neighbors and the gay neighbors and black neighbors and white neighbors. And I'm I, you know I'm biracial. My parents were an interracial couple. They had interracial couple friends, and so I had a very similar background in that way. And and we were but we were 
sheltered to a certain degree. I went to a Catholic school, a private Catholic school. Oh, that, Catholic school. Catholic okay. school. I, yep. I'm, I'm, I was raised diehard Catholic. Uh, altar boy, choir, guitar mass, the whole nine years. I did all that stuff when I, when I was a kid. And, and so that's informed a lot of how I see the world and everything like that. But I went to high school. I went to high school in the suburbs. It's a very fun fact. My local high school that I would have gone to would have been uh, would have been Mumford High School, which is where Jerry Bruckheimer went to high school. Oh. Jerry Bruckheimer is a Detroiter, and it is the T-shirt that Axel Foley used to wear oh. in the in the movie in the Beverly Hills Cop movies. Axel Foley, the character, went to Mumford High School, which means <laughs> Axel Foley would have grown up in my neighborhood. But um, a little fun. The fact, original but, name for Axel Foley yeah. was Axel Schlittenslauter. <laughs> True story. They also shot a whole yes, of the nine Dusseldorf, weeks, yes, nine yes, weeks that's dressed right. as a cuckoo clock. <laughs> from the Dusseldorf. <laughs> the Dusseldorf. Yeah, not, the, not the ones from Bob I am Bob. from Detroit, <laughs> and I don't understand your strange Beverly Hills ways. You know, we're going to go a different way. We're going to go a different way with this, yeah. Let's get Eddie, try it, try it this way. Folentensteiner! <laughs> I think we're going to change it from Folentensteiner just to Foley. Uh, we, we're just going to go with Foley, if you don't mind. You're cool with that, Jerry? Um, Bruckheimer! No, I'm but, So, yeah, so I, I, I also had that kind of uh, an upbringing. You know, my parents were social workers, so I didn't, I didn't, maybe halfway through high school, I kind of went, oh, well, even in grade school, I had a couple of friends who lived in a very affluent neighborhood called Palmer Woods, and they lived just one neighborhood south of us. But but again, it was um, affluent African-Americans and a few white people that lived in that neighborhood at the time. And I did understand that they had more money than us, but I never thought we wanted for anything. Well, that's the other thing. Yeah, I remember you know I mean? like, uh, that sense that there are people, I think, that grow up in communities where they're hyper aware yes. of we don't have money or also on the other side of the spectrum, I get a BMW when I'm 16. When I'm 16. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I just always, I could never quite get a bead on, do we have anything? Or I mean, my dad's a research scientist and, yeah, yeah. My, and my mom went back to work uh, later. And, you know, we, we live in a nice house. My dad got a used car from a motel <laughs> that has the insi- and didn't paint over the insignia of the motel on the side. Really, and that's what I'm driving when I learn how to drive. Really, it's a Ford LTD that says Pine like Manor Inn on the side and has it from Maine. And we're, I'm just not clear on but like what's going on. Was here. it also his car? Yeah, it was, it the, was, family it was car. the family. It car. was the family car. Yeah, and people would. And my mother was horrified. My mother was always trying to be proper. And um, people thought there was a uh, big homeless shelter downtown in Boston that sounded very similar to the name of this motel. Oh, to Pine Valley Grove. Yeah, whatever. And so my mother would, so people used to say like, oh, so you work at the homeless shelter. And my mother would be like, we do not work at the homeless shelter. (laughs) And I'm like, just get a, have someone just paint over, paint anything over that. Yeah, even Uh, just black paint. Just let's just go with a matte bondo. And just say you you got hit (laughs) symmetrically on both sides (laughs) in an exact area. Very precise hit. But, But I liked I later on was talking to my dad about it and he said, I always thought it was good that you kids didn't have this fixed idea about what we mm-hmm, were, mm-hmm. meaning I just had no idea. Because then it still allows you, it allows your imagination to roam a bit. I think it doesn't, it doesn't allow you to think I'm only going to be able to be this or that. Right. So I, even, even, even if the encouragement wasn't necessarily there all the time, I just, I thought to myself, 
my parents had a, a wide enough view and I got to go to my friend's house and watch television on their parents' TVs and see what records they collected. You know, I didn't, you know, my parents were not big music people, but I, it was nice to live in an area where I felt, I still guess I felt a little bit like I knew what I could do. Like I could, I knew I was going to college. That, that was a good thing. That was something I learned later in life too, is that, oh, wow, everybody doesn't go to college, but they were kind of hell bent that there was that we were going to college. Right. And you that, knew that that was th- it. That, I knew that, that I knew was I something was we, yeah, yeah. I knew it was something I was working toward. I was going to go to college, but then I, yeah. So I, I think there is, when there's a common, there is a commonality to those, to those environments that we grew up in. And also you get to learn, you get to spend time in different uh, in different stratas, I didn't feel uncomfortable. I didn't feel as uncomfortable around people who had less money than us, but I felt very uncomfortable being around people who had more money than us eventually, eventually. But when right. I was younger, I, I don't, I probably had more awareness of it than you did maybe in, in some degree. Sure. Yeah. yeah. It, I think more awareness than you did because did you have, did you feel Conan that you had this sense that, that I, I can do anything or I'll be able to be, I mean, when I did you know you could be a, co- that you're like, Oh, oh. comedy writing is a job. Uh, that came really late. I mean, oh, like late, at, late, at school in college, I started. I, I didn't realize it was a profession. Me I either. And, and and I'm sure you didn't either. And so Me many either. of us. Yeah. And I think now, because of the way things have changed, there are kids who at six, oh yeah, have a reel. They have eight hundred thousand hours of sketches that they've put up on on YouTube. Yeah. And they and have their parents fa- aren't in the industry. Their yeah. parents are not in the right, industry. Exactly. Right, right. And I used to just think, well, I can't. <laughs> <clears throat> I live in Boston. I can't be in show business. That's me. Too. I you live know? in Detroit. I can't be in show. I, I, I didn't say it on the show because I didn't want to take, I wanted us to get kind of through the topics. Right. But I remember see, my dad was a very stoic guy. So watching my father laugh so hard, the thing that made him, re- that really got him was Eddie Murphy Im- uh, imitate, impersonating Stevie Wonder. Oh, That's yeah. what really got my dad. And, and, but I was just like, so what was I, what was I, 12 I was 11 or 12, 10, 11, 12 in, at his heyday because he was there from 80 to 84, Eddie was. And I remember going, well, now, now I guess they pay him for that. Like that, that's probably a job. My brain understood that's a job. Like that, that has to be his job. Could I do that job? Yeah. I, I mean, that's why that's kind of what I was alluding to is that he's om- he is in a way responsible. He's the first, because of him, I got into Richard Pryor because of him. I got into Peter Sellers, but I went, that's a job that, that's, that's on television. I know they, I know they I still don't up. think it's a job. Like <laughs> I, I do it and I, and it's a very hard thing to, for, to describe. We do this. We do work really hard. Yes, yes. But I, whenever the, I'm flying somewhere and they want me to fill out a card and it says occupation, I don't know what to write. And I'm, I'm being, I don't, because I, I don't want to write entertainer because that feels, <laughs> that feels really highfalutin. Yeah, and also yeah. if I wrote entertainer, I'd, I'd have to, I'd like write entertainer parentheses at times, meaning I can uh-huh, be entertaining. Uh-huh. Yeah, I yeah. know I can. Right, and then there are other times where I'm less so. But they don't want you to write all that on the little <laughs> no, they line. Don't. There's not, the line's not that long. <laughs> I mean, it's usually about three inches tops. <laughs> I line. I can turn a line of whimsy to my advantage. <laughs> Sir, can you please just write one thing? Hold on, I'm not done yet. Maker of frippery. (laughs) Maker of linguistic frippery. If the conditions are correct. (laughs) If the conditions are correct. Comma, and the conditions do need to be correct. Comma. Comma. (laughs) Then I'll bring you mirth. (laughs) I shall bring you mirth. You know, but yeah, I find the whole thing... I find it to be magical that it is. we're in this. It, and, it, it really is. It, and I'll say this uh, as a way of, of, of 
because I'm I got to bring this ship in uh, into port. You know, where where the ship, the conversation <laughs> is a ship. Well, it is, it is, and I it mean, needs to go into port. It has to go into port. There's a lot of. Uh, it's not to refuel. There's a lot of uh, <laughs> no, no, shit that it's built up. We're definitely wet docking. And we need and then you to, have to clean the offload. We have to no, no, no. offload the, the feces. Well, and, uh, it's good because I'm looking at my watch and I got to go. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Billy D, please. This is an important scene. You're the, Conan, this I'm, is where you turn, you, turn your, you turn against, you stick up for the rebellion in this scene. It's a key scene. We've got to get it. I'm sorry, George. What did you say? I was looking at Kerry. <laughs> What's this uh, white guy's name behind me with the machinery on his bald head? Who's okay, that? we don't know. Who's that guy? <laughs> Who's the? I just have a question. Who's the two-legged, seven-foot wolf? <laughs> and am I supposed to understand what he's saying? <laughs> Sounds like he's coughing. What's the name again? It's uh, Chewbacca. All right, Chewbacca. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> One more time, I'll get it. I'll lock it in. One more time, Chewbacca. Chewbacca. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> uh, absolute joy. Oh my Man, god, this was no, no, really. This is an absolute joy. Uh, it is for me having you here, and oh, one of the magical things about uh, this 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 podcast is getting to say, "Man, what I love to just hang out." I know. With, with, and seriously, what I love to hang out with Key Michael Key and just uh, screw around, and and then that will go out into the and world. And the world gets to see that. Yeah. I mean, it's like. It's they like, won't see it. No, they won't. But they'll hear it. Oh, no, they definitely will <laughs> see it with their ears. Oh, what the fuck? <laughs> wait, 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 oh, I made it the whole show without swearing. Can you cut that? I think we're going to add swears. We're going to add swears. We're just going to add, and it's going to be clearly not even you. Yeah, right, exactly. Right around, right around when I said 50 cent words, like when I said quotidian. <laughs> Quotidian. I said, go, fucking. <laughs> I'm just going to lay the Quotidian in. fucking? You mean boring intercourse? <laughs> Quotidian fucking. You know, uh, thank you. Thank you thank so you much. Thank you for having me. This was fantastic. Uh, and it's a nice warm room. These people in this room are, uh, they seem to be having a good time. Well, you know well. what? No one, you know what's great? No one fakes it here. It's Because yeah. uh, many times I've been, I thought I've been really funny and I get nothing over here from this <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They don't care. They don't so care. They it's, don't it's give good. it up. It's good. You don't need the yes men. And women, you don't need the yes people. Nope. I would kill for you yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> Thank you so much, sir. I salute you. Conan. I salute you. You know, it's incredible to have the flexibility to work in all sorts of places, whether it's taking video calls from the park or emailing large files while you're grocery shopping. Sona, this is good for you. Is it? Because you're always doing whatever work you do for me from fun locations. But I like blaming it on not having reception. I know, but you can't do that here. Working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network, which is why you should check out T-Mobile, Sona. Okay. Then you got no excuses. They're America's largest and fastest 5G network. With T-Mobile, you'll be covered in more places with the 5G speed you need for your life on the go. Plus, they also cover more highway miles with 5G than anybody else. Check it out if you don't believe me. Hey, Blay, you've got T-Mobile, right? I do. I was actually just up in the woods in Idlewild. It was fantastic for the weekend. And uh, my T-Mobile didn't miss it. My T-Mobile phone didn't miss it. You know, beat. I wouldn't think you'd need a cell phone because you speak so loudly into a microphone. <laughs> well, I had to look some stuff up. Just take Sorry. it. Just take it down. I notch. didn't know what brunch was. I can hear him. When the restaurant's open for brunch. Okay. Uh, so I used uh, my T-Mobile coverage to check out brunch. Way. That's brunch. all right. 
Anyway, wherever you are, you know, take it from the loud speaking Blay. If you're on the go, you want to be in the know, you want to make the show. What? Uh, T-Mobile. Okay. That's the one for you. That was I should weird. have rhymed it with go. Anyway, <laughs> find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. Fastest based on median overall combined 5G speeds according to analysis by Ookla of Speed Test Intelligence Data Q3 2023. C 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. way in today, Sona, I was thinking about just how much has changed over the years. Yeah. You know, when I was a kid, we were all dancing the Jitterbug and the Watusi. And then you grow up now and there's mosh pits and everything's gone (laughs) cuckoo. There's this new thing called rap. I don't know what's happening anymore. But guess what? In a world full of change, there's one thing that hasn't changed. Mm -hmm. The great taste of Miller Lite. Are you with me on oh, this? Oh, yeah. I'm right there with you. Yeah. And you know, another thing that hasn't changed is that it's less filling. Yeah. I hate a filling beer. Yeah. When I have a filling beer, I just want to sit down in a beanbag chair for six days, but not oh. with Miller Lite. So what's the best thing about the original light beer? Mm-hmm. Back in 1975, the big debate in America was what's more important, that it it's less filling Miller Lite or it tastes great. Yeah. The cool thing is when we all realized it's both. Okay. It's less filling and it tastes great. Yeah, right. Everybody wins. Everybody wins. Miller Lite keeps it simple. Undebatable quality. Great taste. Only 96 calories. You don't have to choose what's best. Miller Lite has great taste and it's less filling. Tastes like Miller time. To get Miller Lite delivered right to your door, visit MillerLite.com slash Conan. Or you can find it pretty much anywhere that sells beer. Yeah. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 96 calories per 12 ounces. Fewer cows and carbs than premium regular beer. Feels like a voicemail. I do. Are you really, you know, sometimes you talk oh. like a child therapist. Well, yeah, because I'm dealing with an ill child. <laughs> you sound great. Voicemail. Who feels like a voicemail? <laughs> Excellent. Much better. I do. Me. Will, play the one about socks. <laughs> Hello, Chapa. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Um, my name is Fiona. Uh, I think you're the coolest person ever. And my question is, what is your opinion with sleeping with socks on? Okay, that's all. All right, you're awesome. Bye. Hey there, Chapa. <laughs> Fiona, uh, thank you so much, Fiona, for picking up on... That's the way, uh, a long time ago, I realized you don't have to know people's names. You can just call everybody Chapa. And so I just do, and people accept it. It's the craziest thing. Yeah. Like, Sony, you're with me all the time, and I'm like, people go like, hey, Conan, be like, hey, that, Chapa. Yeah, you And do. people are fine with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, they, they're just like, hey, Conan O'Brien called me Chapa. Yeah, so, um, you know, uh, that's working for me anyway. We'll never know when I've lost my mind, because <laughs> the simple test is, do you know everyone's name around you? And I don't. Um, but thanks for pointing that out. Yes, sleeping with socks. Uh, I run hot. I run real hot. Mm. And always have. I've got a high metabolism, so I'm always burning up. And so I can't wear socks when I go to sleep. I'm fine if someone else does it, but I'm I personally not. can't do what? You're not cool with it? I'm not cool with 
socks. What do you mean? In a in a bed. It makes me I don't like it. Oh, you think it's like unhygienic or something? No, it's not. A, it's the, well, that's part of it. Oh, also not sexy. Like if I was with someone for the first time yeah. and um, there was going to be some sexualisms, uh, <laughs> I would not be wearing socks, obviously, because it's very asexual to wear socks in that situation, I think. You know, we're going to do it. And then swish, swish, swish <laughs> as you walk up to the bed. <laughs> I'm naked now, except for my from my ankles down, and I'm coming to ravage you. Let me climb into the bed now. Static electricity. So no, I, I think it's a mistake Do there. Do you announce what's happening as you're doing <laughs> and it? And is that what a sexualism is? That's called my sexualism. I'm going to come in the bed now. Now, I always like to narrate when I'm in a sexual mood. And so that's what I do. As I say to my wife or when I was single, any <coughs> lucky winner. <laughs> winner. Uh, I'd say, uh, here I come. And uh, yeah, it's just not a good time to be wearing uh, to be wearing socks. But I think if you're in a long committed relationship, um, if your testosterone level has dropped, <laughs> if you're ending that long uh, dormant phase of your life where it's just the long slide into the grave, you can wear socks if you like. <laughs> I don't like it because I get to get too hot. And were I to put socks on, I think my temperature would spike to about 140 degrees. I think huge amounts of heat pour out through my toes in the night, like beams, uh, laser beams shooting out of each one. So uh, no, I reject the idea of socks in the bed. And uh, that's my personal stance. Fiona, curious to hear what your thoughts are. And um, you know, you can always call us back. Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend with Sonam Obsessian and Conan O'Brien as himself. Produced by me, Matt Gorley. Executive produced by Adam Sachs and Jeff Ross at Team Coco and Colin Anderson and Chris Bannon at Earwolf. Theme song by The White Stripes. Incidental music by Jimmy Vivino. Our supervising producer is Aaron Blair and our associate talent producer is Jennifer Samples. The show is engineered by Will Beckton. You can rate and review this show on Apple Podcasts and you might find your review featured on a future episode. Got a question for Conan? Call the Team Coco hotline at 323-451-2821 and leave a message. It too could be featured on a future episode. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever fine podcasts are downloaded. This has been a Team Coco production in association with Earwolf. People think the new fresh fragrances from Glade are fresher than fresh, like artist Angela.